to the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Turn around. Shake hands with someone. Say, I'm glad you made it to the house of the Lord tonight. You know, I remember a time in the word of the Lord where when the rain came, the safest place to be was in the ark. And if anything's going to happen, I'm glad I made it to the ark tonight. Amen. Amen. Turn with me, Isaiah 35 and 8. They mentioned in our announcements uh, next week on Thursday as we love our community. And those of you that don't know, this is an event that we host for business owners, their employees, uh, town hall, uh, first responders. We invite them between 11 and 1 to come and enjoy a meal on us here at the Family Life Center. And so be in prayer that God would enable us to reach people in our community. We're trying to do everything we can to be a presence in Catahoula Parish. And so thank you for praying for that. Going to continue what I started last week by the help of the Lord. Verse number 8 says, And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring man, though fools, shall not err therein. This will be part two of the way of holiness. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight. I'm going to continue to lay some groundwork before we start uh, getting into deeper parts of holiness. Uh, this is something that the Lord laid on my heart in prayer last week, and, and so it's unfolding uh, week by week. And so I don't know how long it's going to go, but I believe that our church needs to hear this. Uh, the Bible says, and highway shall be there. The way of holiness, as I said last week, is a highway. It's not a low way. Because holiness is designed to always take you higher. Anybody ever heard someone say, well, uh, you need to take the high road. You ever heard that? In other words, when you're in a situation where you've got uh, choices about how you're going to act and how you're going to handle it, and someone's done you wrong, they'll say, you need to take the high road, or, or I took the high road. What they're saying is, I did what was right. I didn't do what my flesh wanted to do. I did what was moral. I rose above the temptation to act wrong. Holiness, I've got a bad ringing, Brother Jeremy, if you could help me, thank you. Holiness is all about living higher than what you would if you were living in the world. The goal is to draw closer to God. That's the objective. If you're doing this for any other reason, you're doing it for the wrong reason. The goal is to draw closer to the Lord. Holiness is not to be done out of fear of the preacher. I'll park it right there. 
I'm on line four. Holiness is the same whether I'm in Catahoula Parish, I'm in Texas, name the state, name the city, name the set of friends that you're with. It's not about if the preacher sees me. Wrong. Because you're doing it for the wrong motives. If, if you're doing it just to appease a preacher, I've got a bad, you've got, a, you've got a, a bad case of what holiness is in your life. Holiness begins with the motive to please the Lord. Holiness is not to be done out of peer pressure. You know, there's some people, I call them chameleon, chameleon Christians. You know what chameleon does? It adapts and blends into its surroundings. And there's some people that if they're with people that, uh, that live holy, well, they're going to fall in line with those people. But then if you put them with other people that don't care what anybody thinks, they're going to do whatever they want. They're going to blend in with those people. What does the Bible say? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. They're chameleons. They're going to adapt to whoever they're with. Listen, it don't matter who you're with. Holiness, holiness has nothing to do with who you're around. It has everything to do with the one you're trying to please, and that is the Lord. And, and you, we've, we've got to get out of this legalistic rule mindset because you can make this so legalistic that it's all about checking the boxes. Skirts, check. Sleeves, check. Hair, check. Okay, God loves me because I got all the boxes checked. It's not how this works. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. It's about a, a heart that says, I want to please the Lord. Holiness is not even to be done out of duty. Well, I do this because I'm Pentecostal. Wrong. Wrong. If outward separation is what holiness was all about, then there's some religions that have us beat. They don't have radios. They don't have cars. If we're going to talk about separation from the world. So it's not a, I do this because of my religion. That's not the right reason. Holiness starts with right motives. If the motives are not right, then nothing else matters. If you're going to live and walk holy, it has to spring forth from a desire and a love for the Lord. It says, I want to set myself apart from the world so I can draw closer to God. You cannot be consecrated to without first being separated from. This is what the word says. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. There's two parts. Come out, that's separation. Receive you, that's consecration as you draw closer to the Lord. Consecration cannot happen until separation happens. We have to ask ourselves, 
Why does God feel like he does about holiness? Where did holiness begin? Anybody ever stop and think about where did holiness begin? Think about it. We do a lot of things without realizing where it started. Why it started like it did. I mean, there's... you. Some things don't matter. Like, why is green go and red stop? Who said that? Somebody one day said, red's going to be stop. Yellow's going to be yield. Green's going to be go. Somebody once said, you're going to drive on the right side of the road. In England, they said, we're going to drive on the left side of the road. Everything has an origin, whether you realize it or not. And so I begin to trace back holiness in the word of the Lord. And as God began to establish the tabernacle plan in Exodus 28, the instruction for Aaron's garments were introduced. Verse 36 of Exodus 28 says, And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, which is a type, a way that they would engrave it, holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a blue lace that it may be upon the mitre. Upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be, or a, a turban. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead that he may be accepted before the Lord. So on this priest garments, there was a mitre or turban, and there was a plate of pure gold that was in a headband-like fashion, secured to the top of this turban. And it was in blue lace, so it was, it was secured. And this plate would have the words, holiness to the Lord. Let me say it like this. It was a literal sign that was fashioned on the outside of the man. From the very beginning, God designed and desired for there to be an outward sign of holiness. Oh, that was a whole lot better than what I got response for right there. I, I mean, I almost said amen. God said from the very beginning, there's got to be an outward sign upon the man that there's holiness. You cannot have true holiness without there being an outward sign of holiness. The only word for holiness in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word kadesh. And it's the only, and you research in the Old Testament, the only time you see the word holiness is this word. And it means a sacred place or thing, a dedicated thing. And the children of God, Israel, were led by, by his spirit out of Egypt. But they did not have the opportunity to be filled with his spirit. The spirit of God can lead people still to this day. But it's not the same as being filled with the spirit of God. God put parameters in place. And he called it the law. The law said, do this. Don't do this. I love this. I hate this. It was an obedience-based dispensation. 
And since they couldn't be guided internally, they had to be guided externally. Their holiness was based upon what was happening on the outside. Thus the plate on the outside of the priest said holiness to the Lord. But there was coming a day when Jesus was going to change all of this. His father was the Holy Ghost. His very genetic makeup was holiness. And Hebrews 9 and 11 said, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, no longer would the sign of holiness be outward, but Jesus became a high priest. And in doing so, holiness became something that was inward. How did this happen? It happened because of the Holy Ghost. And because of the Holy Ghost, holiness is no longer an outward thing, but it starts on the inside. Amen. A person cannot truly be holy without the Holy Ghost. They can be good moral people, but holiness is not based upon morality alone. It's based upon your spirit. If a person doesn't have the Holy Ghost, then they still have a rotten, dirty spirit. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how good they are. Doesn't matter to me or God how, how much good they do on the earth. If they don't have the Holy Ghost, they have a rotten spirit. They have an atomic nature. This is what God is referring to in Hebrews chapter 8. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Verse number five. Who served under the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, what was the first covenant? He's talking about the Old Testament. Old Testament, first covenant. New Testament, new covenant. He said if the first testament would have been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, saith he, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them. In other words, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, I led them out of the land of Egypt. I led them out of the world because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. But he said, this is the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. It's not going to be something that's led on the outside. But he said, I will put my laws into their mind. I will write them in 
their hearts. I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. God said I'm not going to just lead them on the outside but I'm going to make it something that happens on the inside. Aren't you thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost? Clap your hands unto the Lord and give God praise. Amen. The first covenant was outward. The second covenant is inward. The first covenant had holiness to the Lord on the outside. The second covenant had holiness to the Lord on the inside. This was the reason. Jesus was always at odds with the religious world. He said in Matthew 23, 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, you know, this is Jesus. We would get upset if somebody that wasn't Jesus called us a hypocrite. But Jesus looked at him and said, you're a hypocrite. He said, for you're like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. He said, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. They had the outward part down pat. But their inside was rotten to the core. Who did Jesus go to? He went to the ones who didn't look the part on the outside. Because he was more concerned with getting that inner man fixed than the rest would take care of itself. I can tell you about a woman that they caught in the very act of adultery and the law said stone her and there they were ready to cast judgment holding stones and you know what Jesus said? He who is without sin let him cast the first stone and when that woman looked up he said woman where are thou thine accusers? She said there are not any and you know what he said? Go and don't do it again. In other words, let's get the inside right. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people who have the outside right but the inside wrong. The Pharisees were using themselves as the standard to measure everybody by. Well, we do this. We dress like this. We've been doing this for all of our life. They were using themselves as the standard to measure people by. We pray this much. We fast this much. We give this much. There's only one standard that we need to live up to, and it's not a person on this earth. It's the Spirit of the Lord. It's Jesus Christ. You better be careful casting lots prematurely on people. You better make sure you're not comparing them to you. You better compare yourself to Jesus Christ and him alone. Clap your hands unto the Lord. We need to be more worried of whether or not we are right than making sure others are right. We got too many self-appointed spiritual pleas. We do. God doesn't need your help. I can tell you about a man in the Old Testament that thought that the church needed his help, the ark needed his help. 
and he reached out and touched it. That's why I'm thankful this church isn't a boardroom church. It's a spirit-led church. I'm thankful that God sent me into this church throughout this whole process that were prayerful men and that were spiritual men. You can be, you can be spiritual and have disagreements. Disagreements doesn't mean that there's not unity. Unity means we're going to let put our differences aside and focus on the good of the church and the spirit of the Lord to lead us in the right direction. Pastor talking about that when that ark was unbalanced, it's because they tried to carry it on boards and big wheels. And the church was never designed to be carried on boards and big wheels. It was designed to be carried upon the shoulders of the men of God. Amen. And so, in the, in the, in the overall grand scheme of things, we've got to make sure that we are not checking to see who's doing right and who's doing wrong. Now, I'm, I'm trying my best not to jump ahead because I got a whole other message, but I'm going to touch on it right now. Bible says that there are seven things the Lord hates. And one of those is feet that are swift to run to mischief. The Lord hates that, Brother Black. And we excuse ourselves because we think, well, I'm not running nowhere. Because we think of it as physical. But you know what that really means? People that can't stay out of other people's business. You know what? No, there's a word for that. It's called a busy body. And the Lord don't like that. In fact, the Lord hates somebody that won't stay out of other people's business. And so it's displeasing to the Lord and it's unholy when people are constantly what they call stirring the pot, keeping something going. That's not pleasing to the Lord. You may not be swift to run to mischief, but you may be quick to send a text. You may be swift to make a phone call. Oh, and this is what, this is what it sounds like. We need to pray for so-and-so. Well, what do we need to pray for them about? Oh, oh, you didn't know? Now, y'all know I'm telling you the truth. I know. I got it treed right now. Because people will spiritualize their wrong motives. They want to appear spiritual when they're not. You know, I found out there's a great peace and safety in saying, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. In fact, Bible says with much knowledge is much grief. Read Solomon. He was the wisest of all men save Jesus Christ. And he had much sorrow and he had much grief. So there is such a blessing in not being involved in other people's business. 
You got people that can tell everybody else how to live, but they can't live nothing right themselves. Fix everybody else's problems, but their life's full of problems. You need to be careful who you listen to. Amen. Now, that's, come, that's part one. That's coming on another, another sermon. But let's go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Old Testament was outward. And I believe in outward holiness. And we're going to get to that. But let's look at what the Lord was trying to do. He said, I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm going to do something in the new covenant that's different. Because everything is, is types and shadows. The Old Testament, uh, the New Testament built on what the Old Testament did. No longer, if you, if you do a word study in the Hebrew or, or in, in, the, in the New Testament, all throughout the Old, you'll find one word for holiness, Kadesh. It's Hebrew. But when you look in the New Testament, you'll find different Greek words such as Eusebia, means piety, godly. Hagasmios, purification, sanctification. Heroprepes, reverent. Y'all thought I was Greek, all this Greek I'm speaking up here. All of which referred to inward traits. Bible says, God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He's talking about the inside. He's talking about getting that inner man right. He came to reverse the wrong that he saw happening. In other words, let's tackle the inside because y'all messed this thing all up. Y'all are so focused on the outside. In fact, if you read Mark chapter 7, he said, y'all are all caught up in washing all these ceremonial dishes, the cups, different things. He said, y'all are negating the truth of the law and you're teaching as doctrine the commandments and the traditions of men. We gotta be, and I touched on this last week too, we gotta be careful what we hold on to if it's not Bible-based. There's a lot of stuff that's tradition that you wanna mess with somebody's salvation, you start messing with their tradition. Thank you, Brother Black. You stay with me here, okay? We're going to make it through this together. I've, I've read of churches that, in fact, I'm reading about some studies right now where the churches literally died, closed the doors. This man has been following churches and church growth for over 30 years. And he said some of the most outrageous reasons he'd go and meet with the people left in the church. You won't know what some of them were. Some of them, some of them were, we don't like our preacher. We don't like the music. We don't want to change. Because we view change as an enemy. Change is not an enemy. Do you realize there was a day that there were pews in this church? And they went to chairs. That was a change. Change happens. And we're fine with change as long as we like what's being changed. When we don't like it, then we don't want change. Touch your neighbor and say, this is good. Hey, thank you. This is good. It's good. I know it's good. I wrote it. The Lord helped me write it. This is what one theologian said. Holiness does not consist in mystic speculations, enthusiastic fervors, 
or uncommanded austerities. It consists in thinking as God thinks and willing as God wills. Let me break it down. When you think right, you act right. When, when you pray, not my will, but thy will be done, what is that? You're walking in holiness. You will never reach the end of holiness on this earth. You know why? Holiness is not a destination. It's a journey. There's a lot of places that you, you go from point A to point B and you can say, I have arrived here. You can't do that with holiness. It's a continual process. Bible says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting, I-N-G, means I'm in the process. If it were E-D, that means it was already be done. It's accomplished. But it's I-N-G, which means we're still going through this thing. It's like the aging process. You know you got older today? Did you see yourself get older? But you did. It's a daily thing. That's what holiness is. It's a daily thing. You should be coming more like Christ every day. One theologian said it like this. Holiness is not meant the work of sanctification upon the heart. For that is wholly the work of the Spirit of God and not of man. He begins it, he carries it on, and perfects it of himself. That's called the finished work of Calvary. In other words, when you get the Holy Ghost and you're bathed in the, in the blood of Jesus Christ because of the blood that was shed on Calvary, your heart is washed clean, sanctified. You don't have to earn God's love. That's the finished work of Calvary. Holiness of life and conversation is here designed, which in conversion the people of God are called unto and which highly becomes them, and this they are to be perfecting. Not that a believer is able to live a life of holiness without sin being in him or committed by him. This is impossible and impractical in the present life. But that he is to be carrying on a course of righteousness and holiness to the end. To the end of his life, he is to persevere as in faith, so in holiness. As he is to go on believing in Christ, so he is to go on to live soberly, righteously, and godly to the end of his days. Holiness, let me define it like this. Holiness is a choice. It's a choice. We've got a skewed view of holiness. We think of holiness as all outward. But holiness is a choice. To please the Lord. Some people say this. You've heard this in your life. They're just a product of their environment. You've heard that? No. They're a product of their choices. Crutch. When someone says, you don't know my upbringing. I'm a product of my environment. That's a crutch. Every person is a product of the choices they make. If you want to rise above your environment, you can rise above your environment. 
If you want to follow the course of everybody in your life that you were around, you can make choices to fall in line with them. But every person has a choice to make. If you read a lot of wealthy, wealthy people's biographies, you'll find one thing they had in common. A lot of them rose above adversity in their early life. They made choices that my past is not going to define my future. And that's the beauty of the blood of Jesus Christ is our past does not have to define our future. He said that wherefore the Son of who he sets free is free in peace. This is what the Bible says, Ephesians 4.24, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put on. You know what that means? Choice. When you got dressed, you chose what you want to put on. You made a choice. This is what I want to wear. And when you're in a situation where you've got somebody testing you with how they're treating you, you got two choices. I can take the low road. I can take the high road. What's the high road? Holiness. What is holiness? It's a choice to act like the Lord wants me to act. It's, it's, it's turn the other cheek. It's love thy neighbor. It's I'm going to choose how to treat this person. You choose what to wear. You choose how to act. You choose what to say, where you want to go. Holiness is all about choices. Choices. You've heard this phrase before, but I believe it defines holiness. Actions speak louder than words. You know, knowledge, knowledge will not save anybody. Knowledge will not change anybody. It's application. I could tell you right now how to drop 20 pounds in just a couple of weeks. I can do it. Tell you how to do it. I ain't dropped 20 pounds in a couple of weeks, though. I've got knowledge. I lack application. You could tell me how to do a lot of stuff that you don't do yourself. So, knowledge is not where we lack or we struggle. It's applying what we know. This is what Deuteronomy 7 and 6 says. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God chose Israel even though they had nothing to offer. That sounds a lot like what Jesus said in John 15 and 16. He said, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. First John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. How do we love him? Do we love him by what we say or do we love him by what we do? 
our choices are evident by our actions and not our speech. This is why Joshua said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Stand with me as I draw to a close. Every time I act in the spirit and not in the flesh, musicians, you can come. I am choosing holiness. Every time I go to church instead of going somewhere else, I am choosing holiness. Every time I choose to love instead of hate, I am choosing holiness. When I help someone out of, in, who is the least among you, Jesus said, if you'll do it to the least, you've done it to me. I'm choosing holiness. I, mean, I, I want to say this because I feel it right now in the spirit. The Bible says, if it is, I'm paraphrasing, if it is in your ability to help someone, do it. Do it. I made a practice years ago. We were evangelizing. I didn't always have cash, but I made it a practice, especially when you go to bigger cities and you see people on the side of the road with signs. If I had cash, they were getting cash. I might have had $2, might have had $5, might have had $20. And I know people would say, I used to be one of them until the Lord convicted me. And I read that scripture, is that if it's in your ability to help them. Because they said, Lord, when were you naked and we clothed you? When were you hungry and we fed you? In other words, we've never seen you like you're talking about. And Jesus said, if you do it to the least of them, you did it to me. You need to be careful about, they don't need help. They're just begging. How do you know that? They're just going to go buy beer. How do you know that? They're not really hungry. How do you know that? Sometimes it's not about them. It's about God testing you. Because if you do it to them, that's the same as doing it unto the Lord. There's going to be a lot of people that help the Lord by helping other people that you don't even know about. Because we're quick to cast judgment. We're quick to form an opinion about something and say, well, they don't need that. It's not about what they need. It's about, I'm going to do this unto the Lord. Shall we come to this altar tonight? And I want this song to be our prayer. Let it start on the inside. I want to be holy, Jesus. This is my prayer as we close this service. We're going to spend some time letting the word soak into our heart and into our spirit. I want to be holy. Holy like you. I want to be holy. Yes, Lord. Be holy. Holy like you. Holy Spirit, purify me. Holy Spirit, oh, come on, the Holy Ghost touch your heart. Cleanse it, make me new. I wanna be 